The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Holly, I don't know if I came across Heather or if somebody had emailed me, but regardless, as soon as I heard of Heather and her story, I was like, we have to get her on. Yeah, you were... Mm -hmm. No, it was just like, this is happening. No questions asked. We need Heather. We need to figure out what she's doing, her ministry, and what an incredible life story she has. So let's do this. And I said, yes. So Yeah, despite the fact that she said no about a dozen times, we finally (laughs) paid her to to get on here. Heather Palacio, how are you? Hey, guys. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. May or may not be. Well, a lot of that was true. The payment thing was probably not. Hey, you're setting a scary precedent now for your future (laughs) guests. Dang it. Whoops. we like to ask this skill testing question, Heather, because we never know where it's going to go. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? Well, I came from the womb, so saith the Bible. Uh, I was born in Bowling Green, Ohio, to hippie parents in the home because they did not believe in going to hospitals, weighing mm-hmm. in at 10 pounds. Um, wow. Yeah, my mom, my mom had my brothers at the hospital uh, after that, suffice yeah. to say. That's like but the they, were hip- they were hippies, show. so I don't know how. What was in the air? Yeah. As she was birthing me, yeah. but it might have it might have been tranquil. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, I've heard bits and pieces of your story, and so I don't want to ruin any of it, and I don't want to ask the right questions or the wrong questions because I don't know the best way to direct through your life and your life story. But one of the questions that we do like to ask. Is that why me question where in the hills and valleys of life, you ask God that question, why me? Why am I having to go through this? Or why are you using me in this way? Can you think of a a moment in your life where maybe you would ask that question? That's an awesome question. That's an awesome question. I think that I would say my biggest why me with a fist to God was when I um, attempted suicide as a pastor's wife. My husband showed up to the scene and was unable to stop me. And he was forced to call emergency and six or seven of them weren't able to stop me due to the supernatural strength I had mustered up. I just really wanted to die that day and nothing was going to stop me and nobody was going to. And so they tranquilized me, of course, so that they could get me to stop what I was doing and took me to the hospital where they treated my injuries. And uh, I just kind of sat, sat up in the ER after they treated my injuries and started cracking jokes, started thinking about what we're going to have for dinner that night. And that's where state of Florida stepped in and said, not so fast. You mm. are clearly a threat to yourself and to society. You still stated that you still want to die. So we're going to um, slap the law on you and forcibly detain you in a psych ward for 72 hours. Due to the violence that I had exhibited, they put me in isolation in a psych ward locked me in with a security guard outside my room and July 30th, 2000 that night was the why me because I wasn't, I was just like, it wasn't why me do I have to do this? It was why me, why don't you let me die? And now how do you make a comeback as a suicide battling girl turned pastor wife when you've been locked up in a psych ward? It didn't seem like there was going to be any way up from here. Those kind of situations don't just pop up overnight. Uh, at what point did you realize that you were suicidal and you just wanted to stop living? At eight years old, uh, great question. I penned my first kind of suicide letter. Um, I, I didn't, I just didn't want to live anymore at around eight. And that, and that was like 
that was 1981. So there wasn't a lot of movements and organizations and I don't know anything for that dilemma. So, uh, but that's when I first really wanted to die. And and it's, it's corroborated with the letter that I wrote and mailed to my grandparents and my journal. I still have my eight year old journal. Hmm. Um, So started early. Yeah. And I'm 49. I'm 49. So I've been battling this for 40, 41, 41 years. Wow. What does a journey of 40 years of your life? I mean, there's, there's different forms of mental illness. There's different forms of um, addiction. And you recognize that there is something there that has been there for 40 years. What's it like dealing with it on a daily basis? Uh, the struggle's real. It's not easy. I mean, I've cried out to God and I've, you know, I believe that he could heal my, my brain. I believe that he can renew my mind so that that is not my temptation or my battle. So I, I have the faith that he can, but I'm also realistic that so far he hasn't dying is not what he would want me to do. I, you know, I've been reading the Bible since I was eight. I still have my eight year old Bible as well as my eight year old journal. And you know, the, the filter for me with the Bible is finding evidence of why I shouldn't take my life. For decades, I have spent trolling the Bible looking for any grain, any mustard seed of reason as to why I shouldn't take my life in this, you know, the season that I'm in. And it's in there. It's all over the Bible. And I think he's a good God because for somebody that has essentially wanted to commit murder on herself for her whole life to know that he cared enough for that gruesome, ugly, stigmatized, unorthodox battle, he would still include evidence of it in his word. I have so many questions. I have uh, two daughters. They are almost seven and nine. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what it would take for them just to want to cease to exist. Mm -hmm. At that age, what was it that awoke in that part of you? At eight years old, let me just back it up and do a big picture with that, because that's a great question. The the God is real, but so is the devil. The enemy comes, mm-hmm. the Bible says, to to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill me, um, steal my ministries, and destroy my family. And he can't use old lies on newer versions of Heather. They mm-hmm. won't work. So I think, you know, over the course of my life, what seemed to work when I was eight and that at that time was I was getting severely bullied not I mean these kids would have been in a lot of trouble for what they were doing to me but I I was being bullied but you know a few months ago my my youngest brother died of an overdose um, who I had tried to um, get set free you know for 10 years and that just really messed with my head a few months ago so it's always different Mm mm-hmm when did faith come into the picture? You talk about being eight, having your Bible. Um, yeah. but also, I don't always associate hippies with being very, you know, spiritual when it comes to Jesus and Christianity. Yeah. There was the Jesus yeah. movement. Well, I guess that's uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, my parents were my parents were far from God, but but they found God and they they did. They were part of kind of a you know a Jesus pot smoking movement, you know, where they kind of just put that all together for a while, and then they and then they just stopped everything and just were awesome Christian mom, a mom and dad, but I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was four, rededicated my life when I was in college. I've not been apart from God in having this battle. 
when it comes to growing up in your own spiritual journey and um, thinking about the resources that are accessible, you said that it started in 81. And I know even within my lifetime, I've seen what I would like to think leaps and bounds in a positive direction for conversations about mental health. Um, for you, what sort of things have you been able to see change in a positive way for people struggling with mental health and suicide? Great question. I've seen a lot of cool things. I mean, I, you know, I think right now the fact that you can, you can text anywhere to 988 and get help. That's huge. That is huge because we're a very texting culture. And I'll be honest with you, when I'm battling wanting to give up, I don't feel like talking. I don't want conversation. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to call. I don't want to call. Yeah. So I think that's, that's great. I think um, in the church, it's a little bit slower than in the world. You know, God has allowed me to be in both worlds with where I speak and where I go with the life boxes that I give out because I mean, suicide's pervasive. You know, you've got Twitch on Ellen DeGeneres show who will take right? his life. But I know, I know three or four pastors who have committed suicide. So it, it's not biased to the, but the church has been a little bit slower to respond. And I, you know, I try not to get my undies in a wad. The Bible says, you know, love is not offended. And that's not my battle. Anyway, my battle is not to help the church accept some people's mental weaknesses. That's, you know, my, my, I know what my lane is. My lane is not die and help others not do the same. That being said, I've had to get very creative with the resources because I've been in a couple of places over the last 41 years where the conventional resources were not available. A pandemic, that was brutal for me because I did not have access to the resources of the gym, the church, and my counselor. Surviving the pandemic actually helped me become unorthodox and unconventional in some of the things that I do to stay alive. And that manifested itself amazingly last week when I was in Jamaica, I was in a third world country talking to uh, marginalized people who might not have some of the resources that I take for granted, but because I survived the pandemic without my conventional resources, I was able to share with them some of those as well. I want to piggyback on, I mean, you said there's no gym church for counselors. When you're in a funk, you don't want to talk to somebody, but is there things that you do or things that you recognize that, oh, it's one of those days that I just need to, you know, work on yourself, however that may look? It can creep in out of nowhere. And I have to just be cognizant of that. The very first thing I do, if I start to entertain those thoughts is tell somebody 90 Five percent of the people I'm going to tell are not going to say, do it, do it. You know, they're I <laughs> Hopefully mean, not. Yeah. So and, and 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 I and that has worked for me in some close calls. And that is free. And that is available to anybody anywhere going through anything in the world. Tell someone. So I'm pretty big on on those two words. But sometimes when you're in that situation, you do and people don't listen. I, you check out some of the feeds on like social media and they're like, you know, ask for help, ask for help. And I remember it was probably mm -hmm. specifically in the pandemic, um, or leading into it even, you know, you, I would reach out and then people weren't, they're like, Oh yeah, I'll help you next four, next Thursday or yeah, I'm free in mm -hmm. like a month. I'm like, well, I need the help now. So yeah. what would you say to someone who's in that kind of situation where they're doing the things they're being told to do? asking for help, trying to tell somebody, but they just don't have that, that circle that's able to support them in that way. Great question. So two things. I would say, number one, then you do need to call an international uh, toll-free hotline. 
or text. Um, in the United States, it's 988. In Jamaica, it is different. Um, so we were able to fortunately get different suicide hotline cards to, to the people that I spoke to. But, but that's a sure bet of, co- of connection. I mean, they are, they are going to respond and they are going to help you and it's free. So, and there are international suicide hotlines all over the world. So that's the number one thing. What if you can't? Okay. So then, so that, I mean, let's go to the extreme. Let's say you can't call, you can't text and you want to kill yourself. And that's where I've, I've had to just use my voice once again and say, well, I was in a psych ward. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have, I didn't have a roommate. I didn't have my husband. I didn't have my iPhone. I had nothing lest I use it to harm myself. So I was in solitude. I was isolated and I was locked up. Hmm. So then what do you do? Well, then you got to learn to encourage yourself. And you have to learn to to build yourself up on the inside and work your way out. If you and God are all you have left, you have everything you need to get yourself out of want and kill yourself. You know, like I said, that that played out for me, you know, in the psych ward. All I had was myself and God. And I cry I was just crying out to him because I was like, gosh, you suck. You don't you don't let me die, but you're gonna make me live with a mind that wants to die. I mean, what's that? Who, who else is in that club? And I, you know, I just started to realize that the scriptures are promises that he doesn't break. Mm-hmm. So, so if I am more than a conqueror, then I am more than a conqueror. That means I can conquer this. And if, if he who is in me is greater than he who is on the outside coming after me, well then if, with the relationship with Christ, I can, I can defeat this. So I think it's, you know, if all you have left is you and God, you can still have a victory over suicide. I want to talk about Lifebox, but before I get to that, um, you are married. You, you had mentioned your mm-hmm. husband. Um, you know, as we stand up for our vows, it's sickness and in death and, and sickness and in health. And at what point in your relationship did you have the conversation with him? Oh, by the way, these are thoughts that I had knowing that, you know, he's marrying into somebody who has has struggles yeah well i kept i definitely kept that a secret because i don't think the, i don't think cuban pastor would have walked down the aisle if he knew he was marrying cuckoo for cocoa puffs <laughs> just i'm not that stupid god <laughs> <laughs> johnny please i mean i have to ask but, yeah right? i know good question no I'm prenup sure the, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm sure the listeners were all wondering as well. How did he marry you? <laughs> um, the the true story, the true hero of my story is that is not me. I, I do think it is my husband. I think it's one mm-hmm. thing to battle suicide. I think it's another to stay married to someone who does. Because there's not a book or a manual or a club for him either. It's been a it's been a lonely, you know, lonely group for him as well. Maybe a group of one himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. He could have left any time after he saw what he saw when I was trying to take my life in the parking lot and he couldn't stop me. I, I, you know, I I even think there was some well-intentioned wise people that suggested that maybe he, he do leave. We'd only been married a year and I clearly was not fit to be a wife, but he chose to stay and we celebrated 24 years. Nice. He's the hero of the story. And I try to be careful with that because I, never want 
to make the husband or the wife in our situation feel shamed or feel bad if that's not how their story went. And again, marriage is not my lane. My lane is just to help people not die. And and that's where I want to, and I, I, I think part of it was your story. I think the other part of it was Lifebox. And I, I kind of caught a snapshot of what it was and I fell in love with the idea. Uh, and mm. Holly and I, I mean, over the six years that we've been doing this, we've talked a lot of mental health. We've talked a lot of different forms of mental health. And sometimes there just isn't that resource that's out there. What is Lifebox? And tell us the birth and the uh, of of your baby. The Lifebox came into inception out of desperation during the pandemic. I wasn't able to go and minister to people or console grievers or help the crying out because we were in a a shutdown. I couldn't go to the psych wards. I couldn't go to the prisons. I couldn't go to the hospitals. I couldn't go to the homes, but they were all reaching out to me. I know way more people that died of suicide and overdose than I do COVID. It was a medical emergency for the world, but for, for some of the world, it was a mental emergency and they did not make it out alive. And I was desperate. And my friend Julie came over and she's like, you know, why don't you start just to ship what you would normally take in person? At least you could get the resources to them. I was like, huh. So out of my dining room in November of 2020, um, we started shipping the life box, which consists of the essentials that I've needed all my life to still be here, along with extras, because I believe that everybody is awesome if God created them and they need fun stuff in their life box. You know, you know, don't, don't send me, don't just send me a, you know, something to read. You got to give me something to do. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't want a box with a bunch of literature. I mean, I do if it's, you know, got pictures in it, but (laughs) the the life boxes are curated to every single person's situation where they include the essentials that are non-negotiable, which are a Bible journal pen. Cause I've had those for the last 41 years. I got to, I mean, it's worked. It's worked yeah. for me. So yeah. every, every life box, whether it's in Spanish, it's a first responder, it's a veteran, it's a student, it's a child, it's a grief, it's a PTSD, it's a eating disorder, whatever a, a addiction life box, whatever the life box is will be curated with the essentials of a Bible journal pen. Then everything extra is for that specific person's situation. And so in 26 months of doing it, I was just trying to find the number here. I got the updated number. In 26 months, we've done mm, like 7,000, wow. I don't know, 7,900 life boxes or something like that. The post office must love you. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? The like, like, yeah, couldn't you do this virtual? Oh, that's incredible. That's 7,000 people who Seven, have... Okay, 7,704 life boxes in 26 months. Okay, yeah. So like just shy of 8,000 individuals who have had something that has helped them navigate a mental health crisis. That's... Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. What's the response been from them? Well, Holly, you know, a lot of these are requests made by concerned loved ones. Sure. So I do not hear from the recipients and I'm, and I'm okay with that because I understand the recipient. I don't, I understand what it's like to just be in the Valley. And, and so I never expect to hear back from them. We have heard back from some, I think the one that stands out to me the most is a, is during the pandemic. I had a Jewish lesbian crystal meth 
addict acquaintance who was struggling with suicide. And we shipped her a life box. And she asked her coworker to film her opening up the life box. Hmm. And she was, she was undone. I mean, she was Oprah ugly crying, but she didn't stop there. Not only did she receive the life box for herself, but to this day, two years later, she is reaching out and placing requests for other homeless or uh, suicidal or addict uh, people in her community and getting life boxes to them. Um, And she's alive. Is this just a state's thing or is it something that because you had said you sent to Canada? Is there you were in Jamaica? Is is there other countries that you've had an opportunity to send this to? I will send a life box to anyone, anywhere, going through anything, so they won't give up. We've had 49 states hmm. we've sent life boxes to, 14 or 15 different countries. We had a pastor in South Africa tweet a DM to me that he was suicidal. We sent him a life box. What about language barriers? They We do them in Spanish. Okay. We do life boxes in Spanish and we do life boxes in English. And that's where, that's all I got right now. When the requests have come in from Guam and Thailand and Italy, I, I'm assuming they speak English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're reaching out. So yeah. 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 Man, that's incredible. Where do you hope this goes from here? Well, I'm like, Oh God, what's happening? <laughs> I mean, I was—I didn't have a vision. I don't have a mission statement. I—I hmm. I honestly don't know what I'm doing. I am like, clue Jojo the circus clown trying to figure this out <laughs> because I'm like, who else is doing this? Who is crazy enough to send l- literal life boxes to anybody anywhere in the world going through anything? So, I, I mean. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just keep going. I just keep going because they keep reaching out and I don't want them to die. One thing that, that you had said that really struck me was that sometimes the church is a little slower on the, you know, we, yeah. we talk about church and churches for everybody. And, you know, we're here for everyone and we love on everybody. But when it comes to mental health, when it comes to these things, sometimes we're slower at it. Is there ways that maybe we can penetrate the church to be faster or to be better? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the local church. I attend it every weekend. It's part of my formula to stay alive. The church, you know, I feel, I kind of feel bad and I'm glad I feel bad and not angry, you know, mm-hmm. cause I don't want to get bitter. I don't want to get bitter. I love the church. Yeah. But if we, if we, if we dial it all back to the beginning or to the church's inception, there's a good chance that the person God called to build that church when they went through seminary or theology took no classes on suicide. So for them to, get up in the pulpit and speak to it, though it is in the Bible. Okay. I mean, there's, there's clear cases of people that struggle with that in the Bible. I think it's, it's, it's a tough, tough, tough subject, you know, and you don't know how your audience is going to receive it as well. I think the best case scenario, you guys, is to let some crazy Bobo come in and share her story and put the burden on her. Mm. I'll talk about, I'll talk about it. And I won't leave you with the mess, Pastor. I will set them up and equip them with life boxes. I just wish more churches would ask. You know, I, I'm, I won't ask a church if I can come in, but I run like a crazy lady when they ask me to. It's so it's because it means so much to me. I want the people in the church to hear that they don't need to give up. What about some of those messages where if 
someone does commit suicide and then the church says, well, they just don't really have positive things to say. It's kind of like, well, they, they killed themselves. So they're going to hell. And the yeah. family doesn't get the support. And yeah. it's just really looked at in such a negative light instead of like just loving people through this yeah. whole time. What, yeah. How do you respond to that? We do a lot of grief life boxes. Hmm. A lot, a lot of grief life boxes for people that have lost someone to suicide. And I'm honored to do it. I'm happy to do it for them. If that's the only encouragement that they get, then then bring it on. I, I don't want them to feel that they're alone in trying to, you know, suicide is a tough loss because I am no longer suffering and I've let thousands left behind me to suffer. And if I didn't leave a note, not only do they suffer, but they wrestle with what could I have done for the rest of their life. That's mm-hmm. a big wound. That's a big wound to inflict on people. So uh, the grief life boxes are very important to me, especially if they're for a suicide loss. Yeah, I get asked that question a lot is, you know, uh, so uh, if I, you know, if you kill yourself, Heather, do you go to heaven or hell? Um, and I, I'm always like, ah! Because yeah, I always do anonymous Q&A because I never, ever want the person that's on, that's teetering on killing themselves to not be able to ask their question in a in an atmosphere where I'm just a, I'm just a vessel. God's speaking through me. I, I lay down myself and let God take over. And God forbid they not ask their question and take their life. So we always do anonymous Q&A whenever I go and speak somewhere. And that question comes up and. In my heart, I know I know what the answer is, and I hate answering it because people get their undies in a wad every time I do. But I go, I'm just judging by the scriptures. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, nothing can separate you from the love of God. If I kill myself, yes, I would go to heaven. Um, but am I okay with my legacy being, you know, a murderer? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, we call it suicide, but if I kill a human being that's a murder am i okay with my legacy to my kids and to all these people i tried to help that that i took my own life am i okay with incurring pain and suffering on other people and am i okay with standing before god and having him show me i really only had you there was only one heather michelle funk palacios and i was gonna assign you to do these great things and you left before you could. So, you know, I've thought through all that. Mm-hmm. There, there's a cost to this. And my assumption is life boxes aren't free. There's probably no. money that is needed in order for something like this to continue. How mm-hmm. can we get involved in order to make sure that the next person gets their life box? Thank you. Great question. <laughs> yes, on my website, you can support a life box. You can be a partner. You can purchase a bunch of life boxes or you can make a donation. I'm I'm very sheepish and awkward when it comes to talking about the money. This is the part but, that I like the best. Yeah, of course. My husband probably called you. <laughs> <laughs> he did. No. Ask her. <laughs> Listen, when we were doing the life boxes at the beginning out of my dining room, 
straight up, we, I was using my, my husband's credit card because <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't have any resources. I couldn't say no to these people. And then my husband, you know, about 2000 life boxes into it was like, yeah, so, um, <laughs> it's, time to, it's time to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. I love that you like to help people. However, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it's available on our website. You can just click on support and I'll, I'll listen. I will be, I will be moved to tears for any kind of support because I can't continue doing this without money. And I don't want to turn people down. The requests come in every day, every day. I believe it. It's been a very difficult three years for our society. And as you mentioned earlier, just the number of people who didn't make it through COVID, not because of COVID, but because of being alone, feeling hopeless. Um, it's an endemic and yeah. it's, uh, it's a tragic byproduct of, of the past couple of years. And I know what it's like to want to die. Mm. And I know what it's like to get to live. And I want to do what I can to help people live. Every day we're given an opportunity to make a difference. And today can be that day. Uh, wonderful.com, W-O-N-D-H-E-R-F-U-L.com, at Wonderful on the socials. Heather, uh, this was everything that I thought it would be, plus much, much more. And uh, so thankful that you were able to take some time and to uh, share your heart. Thanks for having me, you guys. You guys are awesome. A good reminder that there is an opportunity each and every day for us to make a difference. And if you don't know what to say or don't have the right words, there is something called Lifebox. I just love the idea and I love that, you know, shout outs to her friend, Julie, yeah. uh, you know, just encouraging Heather to send people tools to navigate some of their darkest days. Uh, she had mentioned that there's different numbers in that to text. Uh, I did look it up for Canada. You can text four, five, six, four, five. Uh, there's kids helpful and there's a lot of other places that you can locally text in that as well. But it's just a reminder that mm-hmm. there is support out there if you do need it. And coming up in the fall of 2023, we will have a three-digit code as well. Mm. I believe it is also 988. So that has passed, and we will have access to it later on this year. So that's some really positive news. Before we get to the part where we tell you to love us and review and rate and follow us, it would be really cool if we could do something as the projectors, whether it's one of us or a couple of us, to donate five bucks or a million dollars to Heather and Lifebox just to be like, hey, love what you guys are doing. Here's the way to show our support. Yeah. This is not a sponsored episode or anything. No kickbacks. Honestly, it was on our hearts just to share her story. And then it has grown into this. So if we could have some projector Lifeboxes going to people because, you know, you funded it, that would just be an incredible extension. You know, the body of Christ is made up of, so many people, hands and feet, so and pockets. So if you've no. got some extra change in your pocket, um, the hands of Heather would greatly appreciate it and those who are receiving those life boxes. Now for the part where you love us, uh, follow us <laughs> on all the socials, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. We've tried to do, we're doing some giveaways. There's yeah. so many things for you to get involved. Yes. Yeah, so make sure you, again, go to all the socials, including the YouTube. And mm. then, of course, you can always go to faithstrongtoday.com. Yeah.